morning, everyone. And a very, very warm welcome to you, whether you're here with us or whether you are listening or watching at home. As you will see, it's our harvest service this morning, and donations are going to the Argyle Community Shop. I'd like to say thanks to those who came along and gave of their time this week to decorate the church. It was a long-running saga, uh, but we got there in the end, and it's looking very nice. It's lovely to see all the sunflowers and to see the fruit and the vegetables. This week, as usual, we have the Sunday service at 10.45, and we have the Thursday service at 10.30. Sunday school will be available this morning for the young people and there'll be Bible study on Wednesday in the small hall at seven, from seven o'clock until eight o'clock. Please feel welcome at any or all of these events. Completed shoeboxes must be brought to the church by next Sunday, please, as they will be uplifted during the following week and they will be dedicated at the morning service next week. So if you have been doing one at home, or if you've been meaning to do one at home, this is the time to get it finished. Musical memories this week in Kirkgate at two o'clock on Wednesday, two o'clock on Wednesday. But before that, we have the Guild on Monday at two o'clock, and Ruth is demonstrating some Pilates stretches. So everyone is welcome. Ruth has assured us it's nothing too strenuous. Uh, If you're coming along to that, please wear comfortable clothing. Articles for the November edition of The Messenger should be sent to the editor by next Sunday, please. The Kirk Session meets on Thursday the 10th of November at 7 o'clock. I can't believe it's nearly November already, folks. Reports and items for the agenda should be given to me by Wednesday the 2nd of November at the latest, please. Um, I put Tuesday the 2nd when I sent the papers out. I should have put Wednesday. So by Wednesday the 2nd, please. The craft team meets every Tuesday at 1 and the care and share lunch is in the hall every Friday from half past 12 till 2. Country dancing is on on Thursday evening as usual this week. We've also got the North Ayrshire Guilds Together Autumn Gathering, which will take place in the Abbey Hall in Cowinning at two o'clock on Wednesday of this week. This is very long, I'm sorry. If you'd like me to go over any of these, please come and speak to me at the end. The Ayrshire Ukulele Band is giving a concert on the 16th of November at 1.30 in the North Parish Church. This event is being run by the Guild and donations will be collected for the Ayrshire Hospice. Tea will be served. There are quiz sheets on the hall out in the vestibule. Elizabeth has prepared two two quizzes um, which she does before the Christmas fair. So if you would like to get a quiz, um, please go that way. And also Fiona Liddell is looking for your donations of jewellery. If you have any bits of jewellery that you don't wear anymore, um, please look them out and pass them to Fiona for the stall at the Christmas Fair. And lastly, the funeral service for Gordon McMahon will take place here in Kirkgate on Wednesday at 12.15 and thereafter at 1.30 in Holmesford Bridge Crematorium. Both the services will be live streamed for those unable to attend in person. The Kirkgate service is in the usual place on YouTube and the crematorium link will be added as soon as the family gets that from the um, undertakers.
These are all the intimations. I'm sorry. Thank you for your patience in listening. And I'm going to hand over now to Nigel. Thank you, Vivian. Good morning. Uh, some of you are looking good. In fact, most of you are looking beautiful. <laughs> I, I wanted to check how faces would react to some of you. And then some were worried, but you're looking beautiful and handsome. Keep up the good work. We're here to worship God. And it's Harvest Sunday. Uh, and I hope and trust that we continue to give thanks to God for what God has done, what God is yet to do, and what God continues to do. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Why don't we stand together as we sing together, we plow the fields and scatter.
we draw near to God in prayer. As I lead, I also ask you to pray in your heart. And when I pause to allow you to pour your hearts to God as well, please do the same. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you the creator of all that is seen and unseen, for all we can understand and all that is yet to be revealed to us. You have placed us in a universe with breathtaking splendor and with all the ability to constantly surprise and amaze us. And so hear us as we humbly come before you to seek your help and guidance in our lives. We come to you in simple trust as Jesus taught us in the certain knowledge that you are our Heavenly Father and will listen to the prayers of us, your children. We now each offer our prayers of thanks for the many things you have done for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we give you praise for the greatness and splendor and majesty of your works. We praise you for your works of creation, for the changing of the seasons, for the wind and rain, for the fields and forests, for the wildlife and the lives there, for the many things that are so beautiful that we see around us, including the beauty that we see in each other. Truly, Lord, your glory fills the earth and we give you praise. We praise you for your works of providence. You rule with sovereign power over the planet, over everything, over our neighbors, our families, each and every person. Without your will, not a bird can fall from the branch or a hair can fall from our heads. We praise you that you work all things, no exceptions for our good, marriage, singleness, neighbors and co-workers, best friends and worst enemies, wealth and poverty, strength and weaknesses, health and sickness, spouses and children, sins we have committed and abuse we have committed. We suffer from it, and yet, Lord, you continue to bless us. We are overjoyed, and we look at the tragedies around us as we endure and we know we have got the best counsel on our side, Jesus Christ. All these things must save your purpose, and sometimes we seek to only save ourselves. We praise you for your great work, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the word of God, the one through whom all and for whom all things were created, the things that last and the things that go so fast, the Holy One we come before you to confess our sins before you. Each, as we have committed them, we are aware you are a forgiving Father. We whisper to you now as we seek your forgiveness for the things we have done. We exalt you, Father, you know that we are dust, yet you show us compassion. You know each one of your children by name. 
You know when we rise up in the morning and lay our heads down at night. You know what we will think, what we will say and what we will do. Not only today but tomorrow and even the years to come. You tenderly call us to cast all our cares on you because you care for us. Each one of us according to our particular circumstances, our needs, our weaknesses and suffering. We rejoice that you are the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. What a beautiful God you are, full of love, as you constantly encourage us, as we receive encouragement from others. Help us, Almighty God, to continue to show compassion, love, kindness. And even as we seek to heal others, we give you praise for the glory of your grace in Jesus' name who taught us when we pray together to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, our Lord be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. So today is harvest. It's harvest Sunday. What does it mean? What does it mean to have this beautiful, I'm going to test some. Um, what does it mean to have beautiful fruits? Grapes? What does it mean? Yes? Oh, you didn't say something? <laughs> I didn't know where the voice came from. Was that Jin? Okay. <laughs> yes, Maureen? All right, thanks for the harvest. Okay. Others? Yes, the farmer, some farmers have gathered in. Do we have any farmers here? Okay, so if we are not farmers, do we need to do harvest then? Yes, yes. All right, we need the food to eat. Um, yes? Uh-huh. Okay. All right, I'm still not answered. We don't have farmers in here. And yet we are doing harvest. Why? We give thanks to God for the harvest. So it doesn't matter we are not farmers. We still give thanks to God for the farmers who are doing all the hard work for us. What more? Why do we, why do, we do this year after year? Children... Um, how do you know that it's harvest? How do you know that it's harvest Sunday? Do you want to try it? Yes? All right, because it's autumn, that's this thinking. How do you know that it's harvest Sunday whenever we have harvest Sunday? The obvious for, for adults, how do we know that it's harvest Sunday? Bread and fruit and stuff like that. 
because at least we decorate the, 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 the church in such a way that it reminds us of harvest, sand. Mm, that's really good. Now today, beginning today, we're going to be starting uh, yet another series of sermons um, leading us towards Advent. And if I was going to give it a title, we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. And the, in the book of Ruth, it's as if, if, if you were to forget the many things that I would say even today, remember this, Christ the King is coming. Can you, come, can you say that with me? Christ the King is coming. So in the book of Ruth, um, we're going to read a story. But in that story, there are choices being made. Choices being made in chapter 1. And I wonder how many of you children have made choices that you were proud of. You know, you made a choice and afterwards you were proud of the choice that you made. Anyone? Yes? All right. The choice to be here. All right. Thank you for, for echoing that. I, I didn't catch it. The choice to be here. All right. That's a good one. I remember one day I, I was in primary. We used to call it uh, primary seven. Uh, primary seven. But in Zimbabwe, we call it grade seven. Okay. And I was in grade seven. And I was... I'm not being pompous, but I was one of the best. <laughs> I was one of the best, you know, in, in, in class. And I made a choice. And it was a bad choice. So the choice that I made, I had a friend who was struggling. I mean, meds was not his best. So during that time, we used to do um, multiple choice. So you would write an exam. And all you needed to do is number one, A. Number two, B. Number three, C. So, so I made a choice and I decided to write two, two um, answer sheets. So one for myself and one for my friend. I was trying to be helpful. Um, so I knew for sure uh, the, the sums or the meds that I knew that this is really, I'm very sure the answer is A. I would put a B for him and made sure that at least in terms of scores, we would, if I was to get uh, 20 out of 25, he would get 15 out of 25. Uh, so I did that and he, oh, he did very well. Um, and I did that again in English, I did that. So he moved, I mean, it was surprising to everyone because he moved from class positions, I think he was usually around 25 out of 45. We used to have a class of 45. So he moved from there to be in the top 10. And people were like, wow. And in the end, people thought, wow, these two playing together, it means that's how, it, how he has managed to, to do well. But in the end, I was caught, and it was not a good one. So that was a, a choice that I made. Any one of you have made a good choice? Some have said, 
just the choice to be here. Anyone who would like to share a choice that they have made? No one. Others at the back? Yes. To love one another every day. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, the, in the passage that we are going to read today, Ruth, Ruth made a good choice. And the choice she made was that she was going to follow her mother-in-law, Naomi, to back to Bethlehem or to Jerusalem. Um, and that was a good choice for her. We will read more about it. But she also made a choice to say, Naomi's God was going to be her God, which is a beautiful choice she made. I hope for those who are going back to school on Tuesday and those who are going back to work or back to doing other things in the house, you will make the right choices this week. Think about the choices you make, even choosing when to have coffee and when not to have coffee. As simple as that. But God, I pray that God will help us to make the right choices in life. Why don't we stand as we sing once again together, all creatures of our God and King.
It is an hallelujah. Indeed. Thank you, Stuart. You, you rocking. Uh, well done. Our children will now leave to go to Children's Church. Um, Lila is up and she's coming down. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, perhaps the setting of the book of Ruth is important for us before we get to read from the book itself. Now, over the centuries, many people see the book of Ruth as a beautiful romantic story. And I think some of you, you would agree with me, do you? It feels like, oh, it's all about love. And it is about love. But it's more than that. At the heart of the book of Ruth, we understand that God is love. And that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now here in these chapters, in the four chapters, we celebrate God's covenant love that we see throughout this book. And therefore this morning we tend to our reading as if to suggest we are turning to our reading to the gospel according to Ruth because it's the gospel, it's the good news. Chapter 1 begins by setting the scene for us. And I think in order for us to understand the scene for us, we need to understand what leads into this particular scene uh, that we have in the book of Ruth. If you were to read in the book that comes before, which is Judges, the book of Judges ends with these words. It ends by saying, so in those days, the children of Israel did not have a king. All right, they are making their way. Um, well done. Well done, girls. So the book of Ruth, Ruth is set in the days of judges when the clan chiefs governed everything. And I think one thing that you need to, to, to go in with is this. There were dark and angry days in the book of Judges that leads into the book of Ruth. There are repeated battles between people of God, repeated disobedience, repeated circles of sin, sorrow and death. Judges ends with the concubine from Bethlehem being raped and abused by the Benjamites. As punishment, the Benjamites were almost wiped out and only a few hundred men were left. And Israel agrees to show mercy and provide wives to these Benjamites. And like I've already said, you then find this words in the last line of the book of Judges. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. As if it's being prophetic, we don't, we soon don't have a, a prime minister, right? We still have one, thank God. But we are not as bad as it was in the book of Judges. 
So as we open our ears to hear the narrative and what was happening, it's so, it's so very short, 22 verses that we're going to read today, very short. But at the same time, you see that a lot of things are packed within this passage. And I pray that God would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see bigger things. Let us pray before I invite Jen to come and read for us. Prepare our hearts, O oh God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and also do it through Christ our Lord and Savior, who guides us today and all the days. Amen. Ruth chapter 1. So Ruth is the book that comes after Judges. And we are going to be spending time in Ruth. And the bigger theme that we have is to say to us and to remind us, Christ the King is coming. Christ the King is coming. Long ago, in the days before Israel had a king, there was a famine in the land. So a man named Elimelech, who belonged to the clan of Ephra, and who lived in Bethlehem in Judah, went with his wife Naomi and their two sons, Malon and Chilion, to live for a while in the country of Moab. While they were living there, Elimelech died, and Naomi was left alone with her two sons, who married Moabite girls, Orpah and Ruth. About ten years later, Malon and Chilion also died and Naomi was left all alone without husband or sons. Sometime later, Naomi heard that the Lord had blessed his people by giving them a good harvest. So she got ready to leave Moab with her daughters-in-law. They started out together to go back to Judah, but on the way she said to them, "'Go back home and stay with your mothers. "'May the Lord be as good to you as you have been to me.'" and to those who have died. And may the Lord make it possible for each of you to marry again and have a home. So Naomi kissed them goodbye, but they started crying and said to her, no, we will go with you to your people. You must go back, my daughters, Naomi answered. Why do you want to come with me? Do you think I could have sons again for you to marry? Go back home, for I am too old to get married again. Even if I thought there was still hope and so got married tonight and had sons, would you wait until they had grown up? Would this keep you from marrying someone else? No, my daughters, you know that's impossible. The Lord has turned against me and I feel very sorry for you. Again, they started crying. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye and went back home. But Ruth held on to her. So Naomi said to her, Ruth, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God. Go back home with her. But Ruth answered, Don't ask me to leave you. Let me go with you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, 
and that is where I will be buried. May the Lord's worst punishment come upon me if I let anything but death separate me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. They went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived, the whole town got excited and the women there exclaimed, Is this really Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she answered. Call me Mara, because Almighty God has made my life bitter. When I left here, I had plenty, but the Lord has brought me back without a thing. Why call me Naomi when the Lord Almighty has condemned me and sent me trouble? This, then, was how Naomi came back from Moab with Ruth, her Moabite daughter-in-law. The barley harvest was just beginning when they arrived in Bethlehem. May God bless to us this reading from his word. Amen. So when, when she says, may God bless the reading of his word, you say, Amen. <laughs> Next time, please remember to say, Amen. So do you see what is before us here? What we see here is a dark and an angry time because surely everything is turned against Naomi. In fact, deeper, you know something, Israel had no king and Israel were in a crisis again. They were constantly in crisis throughout the Old Testament. But more, the royal messianic line was in a crisis. God had promised a greater prophet than Moses and a greater king than David. Now, despite the darkness and the threat to the messianic branch being cut off, the book of Ruth shines brightly through that night sky because it's as if you can just see or begin to see light again. In the book of Ruth, we see so clearly how God is all-powerful and how God provides for his people. We get to behold the God of all hope, our blessed God who desires to bless his people. In the book of Ruth, we, we see that God is going to keep his promises, his covenant promises when he says, I am the God that provides. The God is kind and gracious. God cares and desires to bless, and I like this, the foreigner as well as the children of Israel. Do you see this contrast? Foreigners constantly, you know, I know how it is like to be in a foreign land, and sometimes it's hard, it's tough, and yet God has something to show us here. That whether you are a citizen or you're not a citizen, God cares about you the same way. He cared about Israel. He cared about Naomi. And he also cares about Ruth. Now we don't see God verbally declaring, I love you. The word love that is used here was only used once at the end of Ruth where the people say to Naomi, better to have one daughter-in-law who loves you than seven sons. So until the end of the book of Ruth, you find nowhere where it says actually, 
God declaring to his people that I love you, I love you. There's nothing like that. But throughout Ruth, God shows how he is devoted to this foreigner, Ruth, and to this citizen, Naomi. He shows compassion. He shows kindness and love. Now we also understand that God is not going to break his covenant promise that he has promised a great prophet, a great king, for Christ is coming. Now as we begin our reflections in the book of Ruth, we can understand why the book of Ruth opens in the time of crisis. We are left at the end of Judges asking questions like, what about God's promises? What about the promise of the Messiah? What about the prophet like unto Moses? Has God left his people? Since they don't have a king, where is God in this whole picture? Now in the opening verses, we see Naomi and her family in crisis. Naomi's situation is so much deep. During 70 years of Philistine rule, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan. And the writer, in a way, personifies the famine here. We see famine stalking the land, prowling and looking for its prey. And now it targets Bethlehem, the house of bread. The famine now drives Naomi and her family into the land of Moab. And shortly after going to Moab, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. By the way, Elimelech means, my God is king. Do you see how names are often in the Bible have something to carry with them? So when Elimelech dies, it's as if to Naomi, it's a declaration that my God, God, my king is dead. Now, despite her loss, she has her boys, melon, which can mean sickly. And the, of course, Chilean, which can mean finished. Her hope was that they would marry and carry on the family. Now, if you were going back to Deuteronomy 7, Moses gives instructions that Israelites are not to marry the Canaanites because they would lead the hearts of their sons and daughters away from the Lord. So this is something that has been long-standing. And I'm sure for Naomi, getting to see her children, her two sons marrying Moabites, she's worried about that. And as if that contributes to what she understands about God when she says God has forsaken me. God doesn't care about me. And I'm sure Naomi's heart must have sank as we read that her sons has now married the Moabite women. But after 10 years, well, they are no grandchildren of Naomi. And now we read that her two sons die again. During that time, the people of Israel understood that sometimes God spoke through tragedies. And I'm sure for Naomi, she's thinking, well, this is trouble that I've brought upon my own family. God is judging me. Now, could things get any worse? 
Her husband is no more. The two sons are no more. Malon, which can, mix, which can mean sickly or dead, it is proven. Chilion, which can mean finished. It's as if Naomi could say, I am finished, I'm done. God is king, is dead to me. Do you see this? So everything had died in Naomi. Her dreams, her visions, her health, her wealth, her husband, her boys. This was a big blow for her. As we often say, when it rains, it pours. What more can go wrong with Naomi? So Naomi is left empty and feeling so alone and extremely bitter. Now, although Naomi doesn't feel it or know it yet, God really loves Naomi. And soon he would demonstrate his love towards her. And as if I want to stop there for a moment and say to you, no matter how many troubles that are surrounding you, you don't often see it the same way Naomi could not see it. But God's promises upon your lives are true and will come to pass. When God says, I love you, that love is not to be taken for granted. So she decides to return home in Ruth 1, verse 6 to 19. Now, while in Moab, she heard that God had visited or intervened for her people in Bethlehem. Do you see the contrast? When she left, this was greener pastures for her. And now she's out of there. And now, years later, she's, she's heard through grapevine that God has visited his people. Literally, what it was saying is God has been gracious again to his people. Yes, the famine was ending, and the hope was beginning to shine again. And again, once again, a reflection of showing that God has a sense of showing us a glimpse of what is to come. You may remember the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 45, that even though he experienced storm after storm, even in the prison cell, there were glimpses of hope. And the glimpse of hope for Naomi comes through. Now, as Ruth prepares to return home, her daughters-in-law join her on the road from Moab to Judah. Although three women had intended to go to Bethlehem, but Naomi has a change of heart. Or maybe she plundered, since she knew it would be harder for to say farewell in, in Moab knowing her daughters-in-law would try and persuade her to stay with them. Now she encourages them, Opa and Ruth, to return to their mothers. You would expect that the phrase, the house of your father, but here Naomi isn't just offering a blessing when he is saying the house of your fathers would be better. Go back home. And so after returning their mother's house, they would then find rest in the house of their husbands if they were to have any, hus any, any husbands thereafter. But take note, Naomi encourages her daughters to go back. But of course, Ruth says, no, I'm not going to go back. For Naomi, she realizes she has been condemned to a life of poverty. 
She has no inheritance. She has no security. She is so crushed by her circumstances where widowhood is now her permanent lot. And sadly, she feels cursed by God. She complains that God has dealt harshly with her. But wait a minute. If you were to go back to how they decided to go to Moab, was it God's choice? They had made a choice, remember, to leave their own city to go somewhere else. Do you see how sometimes we make choices and we turn around again and we say, God, you have left me. When in actual fact, we have made choices ourselves. But again, let's go back to Naomi. Naomi, there's nothing right about her. Everything is just painted as something bad. She is without her king, her husband. Now, the book of Ruth reminds us whatever we have gone through in life sometimes count to something and sometimes count to nothing. And whatever we are going through right now, it's as if when you're reading the book of Ruth, you almost, you almost relate with Naomi if you are going through a dark moment. But with Christ, the picture is always different because Christ knows and he sees the bigger picture. As the kids were always sing this song with Jesus in the boat, you can smile at the storm. But look at Ruth's response in verse 16 to 18. Oprah wept and walked away. But we now read that Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Do not pressure me to desert you, she says. Ruth said, do not pressure me to desert you. I want to go with you. I want to be with you. And this is what Ruth says. Ruth said that if Naomi dies in Bethlehem, she would not move back to Moab. Why? She wasn't just clinging to Naomi, but was clinging to Naomi's God as well. Now, Naomi had painted such an awful picture of God to both Oprah and Ruth. Have you seen that? Maybe let's look at that. Naomi said this, he's a God who deals bitterly with me. That's what Naomi says. He's a God who will come against me. He is a God who will strike me and my family and my possessions. There's evidence of that. He's a God who has come against me because I've lost my husband, I've lost my children, I've lost all I have. Yet Ruth responds this way. She says, I want God. I want the God of Israel. I want the God of the Bible. I want Yahweh, Jehovah God. El Shaddai to be my sovereign king, for Jesus Christ is Lord and he is king. Whatever your future, I will be at your side. Now remember the book of Ruth begins in a time of crisis where no king in Israel. But as we come to the end of chapter one, Ruth declares, God is my king. 
She's saying, yes, I understand the situations that, is that are surrounding us, but God is my king. Let me try to conclude. I can see some faces are saying, where are you leading us with this? With God in the picture, what a transformation. Naomi stopped speaking and both went to Bethlehem. Notice, when they get to Bethlehem, it's harvest time in Bethlehem. It's a time of new beginnings. It's a time when people are giving thanks to God. When people are saying, God, you've done so much for us. Everything is different. Life is beginning to flow again. Fresh bread was back in Bethlehem, the house of bread. Remember, Bethlehem means the house of bread. They could still find bread in Bethlehem. As they came into Bethlehem, Naomi became, a, became the gossip and the talk of the town. <coughs> we are told they didn't recognize her. She wasn't the Naomi who was full of life when she left. Is that really you, they said. Naomi responds, don't call me Naomi. Because her name, Naomi, means pleasant. But she, in fact, gets to say, call me Mara, which means bitter. Because I remember my life being so full, but now I'm empty. But she wasn't empty. She had Ruth. And she goes on to say, I'm no longer the pleasant Naomi. I'm so deeply bitter, especially against God. And she's talking to people who are at the blink of things getting to change. For them, they are looking at bread. They are looking at flowers. They are looking at new life as it's harvest time. El Shaddai, the God that provides to Naomi, the promise-keeping God had broken his promises. I was once full, and, but now I'm empty. Some covenant-keeping God has disappointed Naomi. She keeps reflecting back to the people. <clears throat> we don't live in a different world from that kind of world of Naomi. Today we live in a dark and angry day. Much of the world has turned their back on God. We face storms, we face pandemics, famines, and climate change, and crises. <clears throat> For many, the future looks so bleak. With Naomi, you, feel, you may feel God is king, has died. But please, let me share the good news. Jesus Christ, our king, he lives. He's alive, and because he lives, we sing the song, I can face tomorrow. The word of God declares that we are, we have a glorious future when we know Christ, our King. And so the book of Ruth is a beautiful love story reminding us Christ, our King, is coming, and he is coming. He's coming for, to look for his bride, the church. He's coming to look for you. Fix your eyes upon him. Hold tightly unto him. Trust him. Receive him. Embrace him as your king because he is shining upon you. And be assured, he will never let you go. 
He has come for you. The future is bright. Yes, it looks all filthy and miserable, maybe, as you look right now, left, right, and center. But one of the things that you need to look at as you are looking into the church today are the flowers that are booming. And that's a reminder of the goodness of God. God is still providing food for us. Why don't we tend to him with thanksgiving? Why don't we surrender our lives to him in thanksgiving? Because he's a good God. Christ the King is here. He is coming and he's coming for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We join to sing together our hymn 230. Praise God for the harvest. Faithful God, accept our humble thanks for all you have blessed us with. You have given us fullness of life. You guide and inspire us. 
You cover us with your grace day after day. You offer comfort in times of sorrow and a peace that passes all understanding, even in times of trial and uncertainty. Living God, we need your presence here on planet Earth. In these strange days throughout the world, we call on your Holy Spirit to fill us with love. Help us to wash the feet of our communities, going the second mile, giving the cup of cold water, especially to strangers and even to foreigners. Help our churches to be loving, reaching out to all we meet. Holy Spirit, guide us in our finances to wisely use the resources you've given us to plant fruitful seeds for your kingdom. Where there is a division between us, heal us with your uniting presence. Help our churches to be communities where we live in peace, not the peace of differences hidden from sight, but the peace of discussion and dialogue and mutual respect. Thank you for the people we have interacted with personally. We bring them before you in our prayers. And for the people unknown to us, we have made an impact in our church life and our life of faith. Thank you for those who save others in their daily lives. On this Harvest Sunday, we pray that our time, our talents, our money can be used to further your mission. Help us to use our faith to sow the seeds of change and hope wherever there is poverty, injustice, abuse, violence, or racism. Help us embrace our gifts to be courageous and generous. Lord Almighty, we pray. For those who are not well, who are in our midst, we pray that you touch them. You bless them with good health. You heal them. Father God, we pray for those who are looking forward to getting jobs, perhaps better jobs, as they give thanks with what they have, Lord, bless them. For those who have worked very hard and are now taking time to, to rest, we pray that, Almighty God, you make your face to shine upon all our pensioners. Perhaps what they have is not enough, and yet they continue to give and give and give. Lord, I pray for those in particular who may be feeling like Naomi, their world is crashing down. Their world is coming to an end and nothing works, nothing looks attractive at all. And I pray for them that almighty God, according to your unfailing love, lift them up, O oh God, that they may be able to stand firm as they know and they declare that they are the righteousness of God through Christ. They are known and they are loved by Christ the King. And that's all that matters. Lord, give us courage to face our challenges for this week with courage and sometimes surrender everything to the cross, to the finished work on the cross. Because we do know this for sure. You will never leave us nor forsake us. I pray for healing. I pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us towards you and towards your word, even as we get to read chapter two to four of Ruth, help us, almighty God. And we also pray for those who are still thinking about 
or who are already part of the Bible study, that you'll be with them. Father God, help us as we learn more on you and to trust you and to walk with you. Give us courage for the week ahead of us. And in silence, we offer our prayers of thanks as we give you thanks on this Harvest Sunday. Thank you, Lord. All this we pray for and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Come, you thankful people, come. We sing our closing hymn, 233.
hears the challenge, may we open our doors and our tables to all who need or want to encounter Jesus. May we open our hearts to those excluded or shunned by others. May we show the grace and the love of God this day and always. The blessing of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and all you love today and all the days to come. Amen. Amen.